We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Remember, Blue Wire, all one word. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Bellato. On today's podcast, we're breaking down the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine, our key takeaways from the event, as it relates to the Giants, of course, and overall... As always, if you do enjoy the show, please help us grow it. We won't ask much, but if possible, we will ask you to spread the word actively to Giants friends and family to make sure that you hit that download button wherever you access our podcast and to rate, subscribe, and review us on iTunes. That's all we'll ever ask, but it does help us. So without further ado, let's dive right into that combine recap. So Nick, let's start it at the top with the quarterbacks. What stood out to you with that group in general? And are you starting to envision any potential long-term backup QBs to maybe develop behind Jones? I'm not necessarily looking at any of the guys as necessarily backup quarterbacks, but 
I mean, these guys are throwing in their underwear, but it's good to see just that overall arm strength. I mean, obviously we weren't there in person, but a lot of the people who go to Indianapolis and they see these guys throw, and it's just one of those eye-popping things, guys like Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, Justin Herbert, the guys with the really, really big arms. It was, uh, I guess, different to see that fade drill that they were doing with the wide receivers. I feel like the wide receivers were able to showcase their skill set and their just body control and their ability to pluck in the air and keep their feet in bounds much better than some of these quarterbacks were throwing the fade ball. But uh, yeah, no, I don't really have much to take away from the quarterback position. I think Cole McDonald is a pretty funny individual. The uh, quarterback from Hawaii, he cut his dreads off. He had, uh, I want to say like long blonde dreads and he doesn't have them anymore coming from that pass heavy offense out there in Hawaii. And he ended up running the fastest 40 time. Now that I look at the combine results here uh, for the quarterback position, but now there's really nobody here that uh, jumps out at me as a potential backup to bring in, in this draft with all the needs the giants do have. Yeah. I've got a few thoughts on this quarterback group and I'll dive into the players who intrigue me for the giants in a second, but first I want to start at the top. Uh, Justin Herbert definitely impressed me there. The way his ball cuts through the air is, is something you see on tape, but you know, I made this comparison on Twitter, and I'm starting to, you know, look at it. As you look at him athletically, as an athletic from his athletic profile, he profiles and compares a lot. 83 percentile, actually, according to Mock Draftable, his closest comp is Josh Allen. So what I'm thinking about with Herbert is this: obviously, it's not all there as a passer. That what he struggles with is that quick rhythm, timing, passing game, and consistency in that short and intermediate range. It's exactly what Josh Allen struggled with coming out of college, and yet the Bills have been able to turn him into a winning quarterback within their system, and it involves utilizing his athleticism and the big plays down the field with his arm. These are two things we see from Herbert at times. So if you see that the NFL is a copycat league, Nick, and that a lot of teams are starting to mimic other teams. To me, it seems like a near lock watching Herbert, who, in my opinion, has way more passing upside than Josh Allen, both now after seeing Allen, but also obviously as a prospect coming in, I wasn't high on Allen. And I still believe he's, you know, light years away from where he needs to be in the in the rhythm timing passing game, especially in the, you know, easy short to intermediate range. But so I see more upside with Herbert. And I think NFL teams will also see that from a passing standpoint. And they might look at him as a player. They can build a similar system around to what they, what the Bills done, what Brian Dable and the Bills did with Josh Allen. And in my mind, to me, Nick, that makes him a lock for the top 10. But I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be a top five pick. Yeah, and also helps the fact that he just looks the part. And a lot of concerns about him being lean have kind of uh, came out. And he is a lean guy, but I mean, he's just big. He's strong looking, looks really good in the pocket. All those kind of things that NFL evaluators put at a very high precedent, which it should be put at a high precedent. But then again, at the same time, Russell Wilson fell to the third round because he didn't possess those things. So I think you're right, man. Herbert squeezing the top five and it could really benefit the Giants at the end of the day. So it's really good that he went down to the senior bowl and played as well as he did, went to the combine, looked as good as he did. He's um, another big thing about Herbert was he needed to be vocal. Teams wanted to see if he was a vocal leader. That was one of the bigger criticisms about him, especially off the field. And I saw reports just from guys who were at Indianapolis that Justin Herbert was by the bench press, just cheering on his guys and cheering on other players. I want to say he was cheering on like guys from Notre Dame. I think Troy Pride was one of them or something along those lines. I'm not sure why he was there, but I believe I saw a tweet about that. So he's just trying to be more of a vocal leader because he doesn't necessarily have that. He has more of the Eli Manning or the Marcus Mariota kind of leadership uh, temperament. And uh, I, he seemed to do that down in Indianapolis as well, which is just excellent for the New York Giants. 
Yeah, I mean, that to me, he comes to mind as a potential trade-down scenario where the Giants are trading that fourth pick even after, I think, Tua goes at three. And I think when it's all said and done, Tua will be the third pick in a trade situation with the Lions. But Herbert's a guy who comes to mind. And Jordan Love, you know, he looked really natural throwing the football, really smooth thrower, smooth the dropbacks, has good size, you know, was compared, I think it was, I forgot who compared him to today, to a poor man's Patrick Mahomes. I think it was an NFL coach, an un- anonymous NFL coach or compared him to a poor man's Patrick Mahomes. I don't see that, but, you know, you see a really, maybe a really poor man's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the arm talent is, is certainly not there, but athletically speaking, he's got it. He's got the height. He's smooth. Um, which, you know, teams are going to like, and he can move. And even if he doesn't end up being a top five or top 10 pick, and I don't think he necessarily will be, as long as he goes in those first 32 picks, it's going to help the Giants because it's one fewer player that they're thinking about drafting at number 36 or all in the second round. So that stood out to me. Jalen Hurts stood out to me. I think the Giants don't have this luxury, Nick, but I think some team can use the luxury of drafting him in the second or third, or maybe, you know, probably not the fourth, maybe the third round as and turn him into a Taysom Hill type. That yeah, interested me. On the negative side, though, Nick, oh boy, did I not like what I saw from Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm is a guy who has fallen so hard from when I first saw him as a freshman. I have zero interest. Like theoretically speaking, he should be a guy I would be looking at to we'd be looking at to be a long term groom as a long term backup for Jones. But oof, boy, I didn't like what I saw there. Now, on the flip side of that, Nick, a guy who I do like as a potential long term backup for the Giants for Jones. And I think they could maybe get him as UDFA or a sixth or a seventh rounder at the earliest. It's Noah Stanley from Iowa. Stanley at the Combine. I like what, first of all, I like what I've seen on tape from him and from watching him at Iowa. But, and I don't love it, but I like it as a developmental guy. But, and, and again, I'm thinking along the lines of finding somebody like Jones and he, and he profiles athletically speaking and from a size standpoint a lot like Jones. And that's what I'm really looking for. But also somebody who, you know, can move a little bit. And he definitely can. And he showed it with a 4-8-1 40-yard dash. So Stanley's kind of the guy that comes to mind for me there. It's a potential long-term back. It's, uh, it's yeah, Nate Stanley. But uh, he's also somebody who... Not Noah Stanley. Noah Stanley was, was an old boss of mine. So still got that. <laughs> talking about Nate Stanley from Iowa. Yeah, he's somebody who also uh, shedded a lot of weight and took the combine really seriously, which is definitely something you want to see. Comes from a pro style offense up there at Iowa. And I, uh, one of my good friends, is a huge fan of Iowa football, so I get to watch some more Iowa football more than any uh, a lot of other schools. And Stanley, he's he's a bit inconsistent, but those things, those inconsistent inconsistencies with his accuracy even the short and intermediate parts of the field can kind of be cleaned up he seems to have all the intangibles to be that kind of leader so uh i could see where you're coming from from that but again i would definitely have to be an undrafted free agent kind of situation yes yeah. and that's exactly where i think me and you both agree the giants should be looking to spend yeah. that quarterback we're not <laughs> the giants are in no position to spend anything else but a six seven their undrafted free agent pick at that position Yeah, no doubt, my man. All right, let's move to the running backs, Nick. Again, maybe not a group the Giants are going to be targeting until day three. For me, I'm a believer that they really shouldn't be targeting until late day three. I'm not a believer in taking running backs early. I still think Goldman, when healthy, can be an asset. But even if he's not, you can find these guys anywhere, especially UDFAs and late-round picks. But, you know, it was an intriguing group, so I wanted to see see if there's anyone who stood out to you or any overall thoughts you had about the group. Yeah, for me, uh, I wrote up a couple guys for uh, SI for Giants Country, 
Uh, it was J.J. Taylor who ended up not doing well at the combine whatsoever. But I do think he is – I'm not a big fan of comps, but he is – I'm going to do it anyways. Kind of like Tariq Cohen, smaller kind of back, but very agile in space. He ran a 4-6-1, though, so that obviously does not look good for him. But then there's A.J. Dillon, and A.J. Dillon went down to the combine, and he really made himself some money because not everyone thought he was going to run this fast because the guy's 247 pounds, and he ran a 4-5-3 and jumped 41 inches in the vert with just, I think it was just under 11 feet. It was like 131 inches in the broad jump with a solid three cone time. And that is something he's from Boston College, for those of you who don't know. I know the Giants kind of have a history of drafting guys from Boston College running backs, and it didn't necessarily pan out the way um, we would have wanted to, Andre Williams. But A.J. Dillon was definitely somebody who went down there who I feel like now he probably played himself into too high of a pick. But he could have been a nice compliment to Saquon Barkley as a short yardage type of back. The Giants went in that direction. But I think his combine results are going to just kind of boost him up the uh, draft board and out of Giants uh, reach. But, yeah, he went down there and played incredibly uh, or tested incredibly well, much better than I thought. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I, he's one of the players that stood out to me. So I can start on A.J. Dillon. Um, you mentioned it. At Literally, put, first of all, I put up 30 reps in the bench press at 225, which is also, it's awesome strength. They're at a 447 at 247 power, 245 pounds. That's absurd. 41 inch vertical, even more absurd. He has the explosion. You saw it. Um, and, and, and obviously, a 453, I'm sorry, 453, I think it was, was the second, or no, it was the 447 and the 453, whatever it was. But he reminds me a lot, at least athletically. First of all, I want to start by saying this is a position where, out of all the positions, the combine testing to me can translate the most to the next level. This one, um, and then a few other specific drills, but as far as just all the drills combined, the total athletic profile, it's running back is a position where it matters to me um, for damn sure as it translates to the NFL. And he could be that Brandon Jacobs type, you know, that big back with incredible speed. I mean, Jacobs was very similar profile, about 250 with 4-4 speed. And that's what this guy is. But he was even more, he, but uh, the difference is, Dylan actually was way more explosive as far as the vertical jump and the broad jump than Jacobs ever was. So, you know, we could be talking about someone who's moving up draft board. Jacobs ended up being a fourth rounder for the Giants. I think Dylan might be a third, might be a little too rich for the Giants blood. But a few other guys I definitely wanted to talk about. Jonathan Taylor, my boy from Wisconsin, 439 at that 225 pound weight. Awesome. 37 inch vertical. Awesome. Clear cut RB1 in my mind. Um, and I think he proved it at the combine, but more so he proved it on tape. The guys who really stood out to me, Nick, though, were Cam Akers, a guy who I believe is extremely underrated in this in this draft class. I want to know if you saw a lot of him. He's from Florida State, and he actually had an awesome combine. And people kind of, you know, had their eyes opened up to Akers because they didn't really see much of him, and he wasn't really being touted as a top draft pick because he played on that Florida State team where they had no offense. I mean, Alex Hornibrook was making starts at quarterback at some point this season. But with a 4-4-7 and a 35-and-a-half-inch vertical jump, awesome there, 20 uh, reps on the bench prep. He has it all, power, speed, explosiveness, um, and size. So to me, I think he's a guy who, if he keeps falling into that, you know, fourth, fifth range, might be on the Giants' radar. Um, then a couple other guys I wanted to – oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, no, nah, but Cam Akers, and he's somebody else too. I don't think people really realize. He's 217 pounds. So he's yep. – He's not a light guy. I feel like going up and into the combine, I started seeing Cam Akers' name more and more because Florida State, for those of you who aren't huge college football fans, Florida State notoriously every year, don't know why, but every year their offensive line is shit. So being a running back for Florida State is 
pretty freaking difficult. And Cam Akers was literally able to make so much out of nothing. And you can just go watch some highlights on YouTube, watch a couple of those game cutups on YouTube, and you can see his burst and his agility and his ability to just make players miss and then make just run players over too. So Cam Akers definitely somebody went to the combine. People thought he was going to test well. He did test well, made himself some money. And uh, again, running backs, you know they're being devalued, but there's a lot of solid running backs in this draft class. It's interesting to see where they're all going to go. Yeah, and then there's some interesting names too. Zach Moss had, you know, came into this combine as one of the, you know, the highest graded pro football focus backs. And I really do like what PFF does with their running backs. They chart it by, you know, the ability to force missed tackles and create yardage after contact. And that's something he was great at. Um, but the question marks was, you know, will it translate to the NFL style? And he ran a really bad 40, but he was injured while running it. And now plenty of teams have already scheduled private workouts for him. So I don't think that's going to affect his stock too much. But Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who, Hilaire from uh, LSU, who's one of my favorite players in this entire draft class, had a bad 40 time, 4-6, according to people. I don't think it matters. For starters, I think the 40-yard dash, Nick, is the most overrated metric for the running back position. How often are these guys running 40 yards, um, first of all? I mean, the, the breakaway it's plays for sure. Yeah, 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 it's the breakaway plays, and that's important. I mean, listen, John Taylor has it. He's going to be a first-round pick, or worse than early second. But if you're looking for the guys who make that impact and give you the best value, which you see so many teams find in those in those middle rounds, I really think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be. And I'll tell you what, Nick, I don't want the Giants to really use a pick on a running back because they don't have that luxury. But if we start to get into that day three range, Nick, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is on the board still because of the 40 or whatever it is because he's small, he's 5'8", I'm going to start to want to draft him, Nick, because I believe he is going to be one of the best backs in this draft class um, from what I've seen. Yeah, I don't, even with the running back position being devalued, I just I'm not sure if he's going to fall that far. I mean, there, there's a lot of positive buzz a buzz about Edwards Alaire, especially because he's a dual threat. He can play yep. you know, in the pass game. He can run the football, and he's I don't care about his 40 yard dash being you know, on four. What was it, four six or whatever the hell it was? Yeah, and then not to harp too much on the running back position because as we said, it's really not a priority for a Giants team that doesn't have that many draft picks and or luxury picks uh, available. But I did want to touch on a player who I wasn't sure if I should include in this group or the wide receiver group, Nick, and that's Antonio Gibson because he had a freaking one hell of a combine. And to me, Gibson is kind of your poor man's uh, Chenault, uh, Lavishka Chenault. I still don't know how to pronounce that guy's name. Lavishka. LaVisca Chenault. He's kind of your poor man's LaVisca Chenault to me. And that I mean that in a really good way because he's another guy who has the size and the explosiveness in that jet sweep kind of game. You kind of use more as like, you know, a jet sweep player, really good after after contact, really good at forcing missed tackles. These are the kind of guys I really like, to be completely honest with you. And then he comes out in and I believe he ran a 439. Is that right, Nick? I'm pretty yes. sure he's in a yes. 439 and Trying to get his exact weight where he ran this 439. It's 228. 228-439 with a 35-inch vertical and 118-inch broad jump. Those numbers don't jump off the page to you, the vert and the broad, even though the vert's pretty solid. But to run that kind of speed, 439 at 228, and we know he was used from that Memphis offense that kind of just produced a lot of backs. I mean, two mid-round picks last year, Tony Pollard of the – of the Cowboys, I believe, and one and one other, you know, top pick. But he was used as kind of that dual running back, wide receiver, jet sweep guy. You know, the, the modern, you know, NFL offense, the, the the stuff you see in the Chiefs offense, the Bears offense, yeah. the creative offenses that are using a lot of jet sweep and that and that type of stuff. And he's someone who will intrigue me if he's on the board and he keeps falling and falling just because how deep this class is um, yeah, at wide receiver. 
Yeah, he's he's a wide out slash running back. He's considered both of those, man. Antonio Gibson, you guys remember DeAnthony Thomas? He's that kind of player, only he is a Locking. biscuit away from being 230. So <laughs> a lot and he, taller and big. He has that explosiveness that Thomas something along those lines. We're in a four three nine. And he just watch his tape. He's another one who is just impressive. And again, it's one of those gadget players. Where is he going to go in the draft? Because he can add immense value to an offense, but he's not that traditional type of wide receiver. Yep, yep, no doubt. And let's move on as we pivot to the wide receivers, a much talked about group. And you know what, Nick? I left the combine thinking this class was even deeper than I expected. Um, you know, I don't, you know how I feel about drafting from the outside in but this is a class where i just don't think the giants can pass up on a receiver i think it should be day three that's what i'm hoping for especially considering they only have two picks on day two but once we get to day three there's going to probably be at every single pick a wide receiver at the top of my overall big board so i want to start with who caught your attention and then i'm going to dive into some players who really have caught my attention yeah, players have caught my attention. Denzel Mims is going to highlight this list. For those of you who don't know, Denzel Mims went to Baylor. He was He's more of a bigger, taller kind of wide receiver, and people expect him to run like a 4-5 maybe. He goes out and he runs a 4-3-8. And he was probably, I would say, around a third-round pick. And this is a really strong wide receiver class going into the Senior Bowl. And he had an excellent Senior Bowl, which kind of gave, gave him a lot of buzz. And now he comes out to the combine and he just does wonders. And he's representing Baylor incredibly well. He runs that 4-3-8-40 coming in at, I want to say he was 6-3-207. I just pulled up the stats and just under 40 vert with uh, over 131 inches on the broad showing that lower body explosiveness. But when it comes to wide receivers, we remember DK Metcalf last year ran a slow three cone. So what happens? He falls to the second round. Now. Denzel Mims ran a 6.66, the side of the devil, but he ran a 6.66. The best three, three cone. Three cone, which is incredibly fast. That is elite level agility and ability to make people miss. That's what the three cone kind of uh, illustrates. It illustrates your ability to kind of maintain your speed through turning around tight quarters, something you have to do a lot in the NFL where all that traffic is around you. And he's able to maintain his speed. So he's somebody who really made money. He's the one who really stuck out to me as the player who – did just immense work. Henry Ruggs ran a four two seven. People were disappointed they didn't beat John Ross's record. That's absolutely ridiculous. Henry Ruggs is an incredibly fast individual. But yeah, I just really wanted to um and then Donovan Peoples Jones. He's another player I actually wanted to highlight too, because his lower body ex- his lower body explosiveness is just unreal. I mean, he was at Michigan, didn't necessarily have the quarterback play to maximize his skill set. So kind of underwhelmed at the collegiate level. A lot of people weren't talking about him, but he is an elite athlete, 6'2", 212 pounds, just uh, 33 and a half inch arms and big 10 and 1 8 inch hands. And he ran a 4.48. That's very solid. But his vert jumps were 44 and a half, which is ridiculous. And his broad was 139 inches, which is also ridiculous. Showcasing that lower body explosiveness showed the speed with the 448. He's somebody else who made a lot of money. And it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting to see where these wide receivers stack up. Just like we were talking about the running backs being devalued. Wide receivers aren't devalued. That position is not devalued, but there is just so much talent coming into this draft at that position that you can kind of wait. There's going to be players in the fourth, fifth round that can step in and start for NFL teams. And you just do not get that every draft. This 2020 
uh, wide receiver class could be one of the best, if not the best, and I don't even think I'm being hyperbolic here, uh, classes to come through the draft because there's just so much talent here. Yeah, I don't think you're being hyperbolic either at all here. And I think this is a classic example of talent, or or I'm sorry, best player available over need. And I think the Giants are going to meet a point in this draft class where the wide receiver on their board is so highly, you know, so much better than any other position that they're just going to have to take him because he's the best player available. I want to, two players you highlighted are two players who I want to highlight. So I want to start with Mims. First of all, I don't think people realize how ridiculous his athletic testing was. Denzel Mims at six foot three and two oh seven, which is insane, ran a four three eight. There are no, there's very few players like that. When you consider that he also had the best three cone time, six six six, a thirty eight and a half inch vertical, which is insane, and at one hundred thirty one inch broad jump, he is an elite level athlete. And when you look at the tape, besides the drop passes, which were an issue for him throughout his career at Baylor, he has awesome tape too. He locked himself in as a first rounder. This guy will not make it at day one. You can mark my words on that. And I cannot wait till the till the draft to the sports books open up their odds with how many receivers are going to be taken in this first round because he's a big reason why I think that that the over is going to hit there. Um, another player you touched on is the second player I wanted to highlight, Nick Donovan Peoples Jones. There are some players that you watch at the collegiate level that you just know are being underutilized and are have a chance to be much better players at the NFL level. Uh, I'm sorry, at the NFL level, Nick. And I believe Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I've seen a lot of at Michigan, is one of them. And if you're looking for a potential Darius Slayton, you may get it here because he's, a, and, and in the sense of he was held back by his quarterback play at Michigan and the offensive system at Michigan, a run-first offense with bad quarterback play. Does that sound a lot like what Slayton had to deal with now? They're different players, like Nick said. What Peoples-Jones showed out there was insane explosiveness. But don't sleep on his size-speed score, too, because the 212 pounds of 448 is really, really good. But obviously, the explosive jumps were there. But I think, unfortunately, this probably—I mean, before this, he was kind of viewed as around the top 150 pick and somebody who I think the Giants could have landed in round four, maybe round five, especially because how deep this class is. I think this probably knocks him into the back half of day two. I still don't think he's going to go that much higher than that because it's just such an insanely deep wide receiver class. But for sure, he's someone who I have my eye on and someone who I'll be targeting. Uh, Before I move to another target, I want to talk about somebody who really, you know, broke open the combine. That's Chase Claypool. Nick, what did you like about Claypool? Or what do you think about Claypool after this combine? Is he someone on your radar for the Giants, maybe? Yeah, I wrote about Claypool when I was down at the Senior Bowl for Big Blue View. And because he, the first day, he showed his strong hands. He was releasing off the line of scrimmage really well. Some of the, I mean, he's a very strong player. People just put him in that category because of his monster size. But Claypool is also sort of nimble off the line of scrimmage on his release. And he showcased that speed. I mean, the guy ran a 4 4 2. At the combine, and that's just not something that somebody of his size can really do. And he's played at Notre Dame again. Notre Dame doesn't necessarily have this quarterback play, kind of like Michigan, that is going to be desired to really maximize a receiver's skill set. Claypool shows up 6'4, 238, 32 and a half inch arms, which aren't huge, but it's not terrible, and then just a shade under 10 inch hands. And he runs a 4.42, jumps a 40 and a half in the vert, and then 126 inches in the broad jump, showcasing the lower body explosiveness. And he looks good in the gauntlet. He looks good running the the uh, the drills that they had him do, just running the routes and stuff like that for the uh, 
the quarterbacks and things like that. So Chase Claypool, I think he could be a realistic target, but where's he going to go? This is yeah, like, I, mean, I already right, right. Exactly. He's probably not a realistic target unless the Giants are taking him at 36 overall, because I think he will be Nick, one of those early round two type picks. I mean, you say when you see a guy of his size, that size speed combo, 238, 442 has only really been seen by Calvin Johnson and, you know, compares a little bit to Evan Ingram. And that's what people were starting to say. Well, some team draft him like the Giants drafted Ingram and figure they can have him as a massive mismatch in the slot. But what Ingram didn't have was a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical or a 126-inch broad jump. Um, you know, some may say he had better tape than Claypool, but Claypool is another guy who was held back from from that Notre Dame offensive system and the quarterback play there at times there as well. Um, and, you know, having players around him. I believe Boykin was there last year taking a lot of the targets away. Cole Komet gets a lot of targets. So the way I look at it is this. The Giants probably aren't in the market for him. But it's just another guy who might get drafted before the Giants pick at 36 and who bumps down a, a position of greater need. So definitely something I was interested in watching him, though. That was somebody who caught my attention. But a couple other guys I wanted to touch on, Nick. Michael Pittman, my favorite wide receiver value in this entire class. He's a guy who, you know, probably other teams will see, uh, especially because he had a pretty good combine. I think other teams are going to feel the same way I do about him. I think he's one of the biggest steals in the class. He Six foot three, two hundred twenty-three pounds, four five two. So not quite Claypool from that size speed standpoint, but pretty close. Thirty-six and a half in vertical, but also a six-nine-six-three cone, which is outstanding, and just really good tape at USC. Another guy who I think was totally underutilized at the collegiate level. I think he's going to be an absolute steal. I don't think he's going to be there when the Giants pick at the end of round three with that comp pick they're going to get for Landon Collins. Uh, but if he's there, he'll be top my board. And then a couple other guys I want to touch on, Nick, and get your thoughts if you add any other guys on. My first, my boy, Quintus Cephas. Uh, Quintus Cephas from Wisconsin. This is like the perfect scenario for me with Cephas. Because, with Cephas, I'm sorry, because he ran a disastrous, I'm trying to find it now, a disastrous 40 time. I believe it was 473 at 202. Um, you know, with a 38 and a half inch vertical, which is awesome, and an okay broad jump, and a 7-2-3 cone, which is all right, nothing great. And obviously, he led all wide receivers' 23 bench press reps. But, you know, that combine score might tank him a little. I think he's in play for the Giants. Uh, I hope he's in play for the Giants if he's there on day three, for sure, and maybe even at that last pick on day two. He was a guy who the best quarterback, but cornerback, I'm sorry, by far in this draft class said, was the best receiver he faced all year. That's what Jeffrey Okuda said of Cephas. Have you gotten a chance to look at any Cephas tape, and do you have any thoughts on that? I have not gotten a chance to look at Cephas tape. I've been seeing him pop up all over the timeline within the last, like, two weeks. I'm not 100% sure what sparked that, but it's definitely someone that I have on my list to really look at. Yeah, Cephas, to me, is one of the most surefire guys that I've seen in a long time to come out of my school, Wisconsin. I think he is a lock to be an, uh, an effective an impressive NFL starter uh, at the wide receiver position. He's unbelievable at creating separation. He's unbelievable in contested catch situations. These are two things he's great at. He has breakaway speed that may not be time speed. And there's a reason why Alcuda said he was the best wide receiver that he faced. But a couple other interesting notes, Nick. Van Jefferson, KJ Hamler, Tyler Johnson, three receivers I like a lot. Didn't work out. Could that push them down the boards? This class is just so deep, Nick, that I think there's going to be an excellent value at some point for the Giants. Anyone else you want to touch on before we move on? I mean, just to, I, I, that that question, can that push them down the boards? That's really 
an interesting one, especially with Van Jefferson, who's dealing with an injury at the moment. He went down to the senior bowl, had a great time down there as well. So, I mean, those no workouts, I mean, that might just raise some questions and maybe have things that just aren't answered about these guys' games, especially Tyler Johnson, who isn't known for his athletic ability uh, in relation to playing the wide receiver position, obviously. Right. So, uh, no, Michael Pittman Jr., though, he ran, a, uh, I want to say, the fourth fastest three cone. So I would just wanted to throw that in there, too. So, again, that agility in space. I mean, that's that's something else for a really big man like him to run that. That's uh, impressive. So you have two really big receivers in Mims, Pittman, and then obviously Claypool. So three that could be around for the Giants, at possibly that third round or second round pick, probably a little bit later. Pittman, I would imagine, might be there a little bit later, maybe in the third round. But Claypool might have played himself away from it, as did Mims. Yeah, I don't think Pittman's going to be there anymore after this combine. It was really impressive. But those other guys I, I like. I like Van Jefferson. I like what I've seen of him. Tyler Johnson's a guy who reminds me a lot of Tyler Boyd. People counted him out. He dropped all the way to the middle or the end of the second round, I believe. And he's a stud in the NFL. Great draft pick. Tyler Johnson, to me, is a lot like him. Just very good at creating separation. He's not going to blow you out in workouts. Probably why he chose not to work out. And then K.J. Hamler, another player I've seen a lot of Penn State wide receiver. Obviously, I have a lot more you know, in, insights on these big 10 players. So I've seen more of them. He's like a mini, like a, a light Terry kill light version. And he is going to be awesome for whatever offense gets him. He's going to make, you know, maybe a gadget type player at first, but I really like him. And, you know, he's somebody who I was disappointed to see not work out fully, but he's someone, if he keeps dropping, who will interest me as well. But let's move on, Nick, to the tight end group. Another position I don't expect the Giants to be too active in this group was ridiculously disappointing to me from hunter bryant who ran an awful time after putting on weight to try to look like he can play the position who was supposed to be the best um harrison bryant is one of the top graded guys he didn't imp- impress me cole Komet, uh obviously albert o was the guy who and i don't know how to pronounce his last name so i'm just calling him albert o who really you know took that position by storm because oh, wake bonham there we go. Albert Ogway bottom at 258, ran a 449. That was, and he didn't do any other athletic testing for what it's worth. But, you know, what do you, do you, what do you make of this tight end position? Do you see it kind of how I see it, Nick, as a position where it's dry and the Giants really aren't going to be able to really find a player here? Yeah, no, I see it. The, uh, well, no, I think the Giants could find a player here because I think I, I don't want to say that. I don't, not yeah. that they can't find a player in the later rounds, but something that won't be a priority for them on day one or day two. I don't believe so unless some blockbuster Evan Ingram trade happens and it kind of forces their hand. But even then, some of these players, they just don't necessarily jump out of you. We kind of knew the tight end class was really lacking uh, coming into the combine. And you, we thought Hunter Bryant would kind of go out there and really just have a really good combine because he's one of those athletic freaks. But again, like you said, he tried to put the weight on. It just didn't work out for him. And then you had Mitchell Wilcox. I mean, did somebody anybody have a worse combine than him? And I'm not even just talking about his athletic testing. The dude got hit in the face with a football. It just uh, no, nobody wants to see that, you know. And it looked like it hurt too, to be honest. But I, uh, yeah, the tight end position there's not much to really take away from that, other than Albert O. Like you said, Oakley Bonham, Albert Oakley Bonham just went out there and he uh, ran a lot faster than a lot of people expected. I haven't watched his film yet, so I don't really know how he is as a football player. But when you run a four four nine going to kind of open your open your eyes to the tight end position so uh he's just one player that i might have to look at his film to see how he was utilized there at missouri yeah no doubt and he's definitely piqued my attention you know spike piqued my interest so i will look into him a little bit um but i don't think he's going to be in play for the giants so probably not too much there and tight end just one of the positions i remember talking about this during the 20 after the 2017 draft on the giants 
uh, or before it actually, because I wanted them to target uh, O.J. Howard when they drafted Ingram. It's one of those positions really hard to find in the NFL. It's one of these positions I talk about a lot. Offensive tackle, deep half safety, tight end. These are positions where they don't grow on trees. There's no easy solutions for them, and you don't find them, and there's a lot of bad classes. And what really stood out to me was how poorly these guys tested Nick because across the board, offensive tackles I've never seen test as well. Wide receivers never seen consistently test as well. Running backs, same thing. And you could, there's a, there, safeties, same thing. Corners even. So like it, in a year where athletic testing is where the players are clearly getting more athletic with training and the right eating and everything they know, to have the tight ends test as poorly to me definitely stood out. Um, but let's get to the good positions, Nick. Let's get to the positions the Giants are targeting, the Giants need, and the Giants realistically will be in play for. So here we are. We're at offensive tackle. Where do you want to start here? I say we start with Tristan Wirfs. I mean, the guy shows up looking like an Adonis with those legs that are just gigantic, and he runs a four eight five. I mean, it's kind of hard not to start there. Yeah, but yeah. What did you What did you like from what, like about Wirfs? I mean, he just showed he just showed that ability to move in space, which we saw on tape, which we've been talking about since the season. And then I don't know about you, I knew he was explosive, but I didn't expect a thirty six and a half jump on the vert nor did i expect over 10 feet on the broad jump and then the 485 just kind of capped it off so i loved what i saw from tristan Worf's athletic testing you could tell he took it incredibly seriously to get himself in the proper shape to show up here and he still weighed 320 pounds at the combine too but he got himself in shape obviously busted his ass to get these kind of scores and he definitely opened my eyes as did uh makai beckton i mean i did not expect makai beckton to run the 40-yard dash in 5-1, standing at 364 pounds or whatever he showed up. I believe it was 364 pounds, 6'8". That's absolutely ridiculous when you really put that into any kind of perspective. I mean, we had three offensive offensive tackles, or offensive linemen, I should say, run sub-5, which is pretty solid. I mean, usually you have somewhere around this. I think Wirfs, as that top-10 pick, is really just – showing just how good of an athlete he is. And then during the drills, I mean, Jedrick Wills, you saw that punch that went around Twitter. You could kind of see that pop in his hands. I see the same stuff with Wirfs. And I just love the kind of power that Wills showed with that pop. I mean, obviously showed up on tape as well. So, And he ran just over a five-second. That's Jedrick Wills. I think the Giants really have a lot of solid options at the top of the draft with Wills, Wirfs, Beckton, and even Andrew Thomas, who I'm, I, I kind of have a little bit behind those three as of right now because I just feel like there's a couple more inconsistencies with his tape sometimes. He didn't take so many verticals, as many vertical sets as you want. He's coming from Georgia, who kind of like what we talked about earlier when talking about the Tennessee Titans, rely on the play-action game. They like to run the football. They really built around that. I don't know, Andrew Thomas, sometimes I just didn't see – uh, clean footwork when it comes to taking vertical sets and something stuff like that. Some sometimes he came off heavy footed, but so he's just a step behind those other three. But I just think the Giants have a a lot of good options at that offensive tackle position. And you know, Gettleman's probably sitting there right now watching film on all these guys because he's a film junkie. But yeah, uh, I just wanted to really talk about uh, Worfs and those guys because there's a it's a lot of solid players coming out this year. Yeah, and I'll start I'll start with Wirfs, Nick, because Wirfs came into this process when I first started looking at these players as my OT1. Um, I felt like my projection as the OT1 was based in part because I think he's a surefire guy who has the lowest bus rate of these four. Um, and 
I don't think we saw anything different. First of all, we can talk about the athleticism, and I want to touch on that because it's ridiculous. We've never seen—he broke multiple records for offensive line testing. And in general, this is one of the most athletic offensive tackle classes I've ever seen, if not the most athletic. But more importantly, importantly for me, Nick, was the, was the testing drills that I watched him because he is just such a smooth mover. And to go along with his incredible athleticism and strength, and play strength, he has that ability to move in space, and we saw it in the drills. And that could be so valuable for a team that has Saquon Barkley that's still looking to maximize him in the screen game because he could be the best possible screen offensive tackle in this draft class and in a long time. It, you, these guys like this, I've never seen someone six foot five, 320, 34 inch arms, 36 and a half inch vert, 10 foot one broad for a 320 pounder, Nick, ran a 485 at 320. And uh, more impressive than all of this, Nick, was the fact that he had a seven six five three cone, which to me is one of the most important drills for an offensive tackle. I don't think there's any doubt after the combine now, and there was a lot of talk about it before the combine. You know, he needs to move inside the guard. He's going to be a guard. To me, there's no doubt in my mind that he is an offensive tackle at the NFL level. Do you think that that holds after this combine or no? I mean, I never really doubted it, to be honest. What what I feel when it comes to Wirfs is he could be an all-pro kind of Zach Martin type of guard, but I still think he could be an all-pro tackle as well. So why not play him at the more premium position? Because the knocks on Wirfs is sometimes he oversets against speed and things like that kind of gives – Pass rushers two-way go. That happened a couple times on film. So that's not going to happen if he has two players right next to him, a center and a tackle at guard, and he can really just maximize all of his positive traits. But I think those things can be corrected, and tackle is a much more premium position. So why not play him there, especially when he has the upside to be an all-pro type of player? Yeah, and I don't want this combine. I mean, we also got to talk about Becton, who also, in his own right, did some ridiculous things. I mean, I don't think people realize exactly what he pulled <laughs> off there at his weight. Like, you do not see – we haven't seen a 364-pounder run a four a 5-1. And he didn't compete in a lot of drills I hoped he would, the broad, the vertical, the three-cone, and the shuttle especially. And by the way, another you know, one th- reason why I did like Andrew Thomas's testing, even though, you know, the 30-and-a-half-inch vertical wasn't great, the five two two wasn't great, and the broad wasn't great, but – Thomas did have a really nice three cone and shuttle and short shuttle. So it was very similar to Worf's actually almost identical. And that's a really good sign. Like I said, the two most important drills by far for me for offensive tackle are the shuttle and the three cone. Now I have my own issues with Thomas. Like I said, similar to Conklin. I think he, he came from a run heavy offense, a lot of play action passing game. Didn't see enough true pass sets, but I just wanted to point that out. But as for Becton, those numbers are insane, but more importantly, Nick, he's just looked like an athlete at that size. He moves so smooth. You see why people compare him to Brian McKinney. So, you know, that also really stood out at the top. But I want to talk about a few other guys that stood out to me. And let's start here, Nick, with Ezra Cleveland, who I think really did an excellent job here cementing himself as potentially this OT5, the fifth offensive tackle, a guy who could certainly be in play for the Giants at 36 if they, let's say, go Simmons at four. So as far as as uh, Ezra Cleveland goes, before I get into your thoughts on him, he's an offensive tackle from Boise State, so obviously the competition level is in question. Um, but at six foot six and 311, with over 33-inch arms, almost 34, he had 30 bench press reps at 225, which is awesome. Then he ran a 4.93 at 3.11, which is awesome. Um, and a 7.263 cone, which, again, is awesome. He was all Mountain West, whatever. I mean, 40-game starter, like I said, 
level competition is certainly in question. But is he someone after this impressive athletic combine? And, you know, I'm sorry, after the combine where he displayed an impressive athletic profile, is he someone who's now piqued your interest as a potential option at 36? He's piqued my interest, but I say that what just the uh... – the mindset that I have not watched enough of Ezra sure. Cleveland to really dive into that. I love these athletic tests. I love what I hear from people who have done, have grinded that film yet, but I have not. So I want to hold off on, on uh, giving that opinion. But it seems like a lot of people who I respect in the draft world are high on Ezra Cleveland. I got to get into that tape and find out. But I mean, you go to the combine, you show up, you do these numbers at his size, 6'6", 311 pounds, 33 and 3 eighth inch arms. It's definitely something that I'm sure Gettleman will look at. And maybe it's uh, an option there at 36. But I want to reserve and watch my own film just to come to my own conclusions too. No doubt. And somebody who kind of came into this as more of a, some people thought was a lock OT5, maybe a little bit disappointing. That's Josh Jones. Um, 52740, nothing too spectacular. Really bad vertical, 28 and a half inch. Really bad broad jump, 109 inch. And that's actually similar to Andrew Thomas, who also had similarly bad broad and vertical jumps. He didn't compete in the three cone or the short zone, so we don't have times on that. And is there a, starting to be a little, I mean, he's a guy who has awesome pro football focus grades, dominated his level of competition. Is he a guy who maybe concerned you a little bit translating from? The, the level of play, you know, at Houston to the NFL, as far as somebody who can step right in and play for the Giants at right tackle in year one, something like that. I mean, I never really view Josh Jones necessarily as someone who can step right in. He's somebody who might need just a little bit more development because he is athletic. I mean, again, his testing wasn't what I thought before the combine. I thought he was athletic and his testing didn't necessarily show that. But it just seemed like maybe at Houston he wasn't developed by the offensive line to – to kind of like focus on the nuance of playing tackle it was more like this guy is a good athlete he's strong he can win the way he's doing it so if he gets with mark colombo or a good offensive line coach maybe he can be maximized but that might take some time so i wasn't necessarily looking at him as somebody who stepped in right away anyways but yeah now it's not look good when you show up to the combine you're supposed to be one of the more athletic tackles and you just do not put that out there so it's something that's going to give some people some pause yeah, and I'm one of them because I, I worry about that that a little bit, but not not too much. I'd still still somebody who I'd probably be pretty happy with at 36 if they don't go OT in round one. A couple other guys, uh, a little disappointed we didn't get to see Lucas Nyang at t- or, and I'm again I'm going to butcher some of these names at a TCU. He didn't compete in this. Same thing goes for Jack or I'm sorry Ben Barch of St. John's smaller school. Would have loved to see how he tests athletically. Has some really interesting tape. Somebody who I have my eye on. Matt Pert at a UConn, another guy I have my eye on. Is kind of that day two range offensive tackle if the Giants go in that direction. He had an okay combine. I'm a little concerned with an 8013 cone for sure. Um, anything over eight to me concerns me a bit. Um, any other offensive tackles that you want to touch on that you took away after watching the combine uh, that I haven't touched on just yet? Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, not not from the offensive tackles. I think there's a couple interior guys, especially centers, that we can go over that, yep. will, uh, that will be interesting. Well, before we go to center... Uh, Giants obviously aren't in the market probably for a guard. They have Will Hernandez, the guard of the future, and Seitler as the guard of now. But I did want to touch on Natane Muti, who obviously you know was uh, was injured, so didn't 
participate in almost any of the combine except for the fact that he threw up a 44 rep bench press, which was insane. And obviously number one of all the offensive uh, linemen in this. What, what do you make of Muti? Because he has pretty good tape too. Um, really awesome run blocking tape for, out of Fresno State. I, I'm it, Here's my dream, Nick. My dream is the Giants improve the center position. They don't, you know, and they find a way to do it without using a day. I don't really care how they do it, I should say. But my my dream is that they see a massive improvement. Is he someone you think can, can kind of convert? I, I'm always curious if these guards can convert at the next level or if the Giants are should be more focused on the true centers who have the experience at the collegiate level. I love Mutie's tape. I mean, this is the kind of guy who throws people out of phone booths. He's incredibly strong at the point of attack. But the problem with Mutie is he tore his, I want to say his right ACL in 2016 or 17 yeah. and then tore his left one in 2018 and then broke his foot. I want to say it was a Liz Frank injury in 2019. So he has a significant injury history and doesn't, and that obviously limited his playing time. But when he is out there, He's throwing people around. He's showing athletic ability, plays with excellent leverage, excellent strength at the point of attack, very strong hands, grip strength, all those things that you look for for an interior offensive lineman. But how far is this guy going to slide with all of these red flags that are really, really concerning? And it's not necessarily a huge need for the guard. And the guard to center transition seems easy in theory, but it's not always. It really just depends on the on the player themselves and how versatile they are. And I haven't seen that from Muti, so it would just be me assuming at that point. And there's just so many red flags that surround the player. But I do love this tape. When you just evaluate the tape strictly, it's you love this player, but then you got to tag him with all the red flags, and that can really pile up. Yep. All right, let's move on to a position we know is of much greater need for the Giants, and that's center. Um, didn't get all the centers to participate. We got nothing, not much from Cushenberry, the guy who we like out of LSU. Uh, same deal for uh, Biades out of Wisconsin, who's really seen his draft stock just tumble since the start of this season. Um, but I still think could be could be a nice piece for the. I wanted Giants. to ask you. I actually wanted to ask you about Biades because it, it, everyone was talking about him as uh, offensive center one. Just you know. Two or three months ago, and all of a sudden he's right. like literally you see him mocked in like the hundreds, and I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. Yeah, it might be. I mean, he. Didn't have as good of a 2019 season, according to, to you know, most draft analysts. Um, and I haven't grinded Biadesh's tape, by the way. Just letting everyone know that I watch every Badger game, but I don't grind center tape out of the Badger. I don't have time for that. But, you know, a lot of the a lot of the, the concerns I've seen are play strength uh, as it translates to the next level. So we'll have to see how that how that is. But to me, I think I what I saw from throughout his career, especially in 2018, and maybe he's playing hurt is, is also part of the concern in 2019. He could be an absolute steal if he keeps falling, especially now that he doesn't have the combine numbers that could kind of add to that. There's no buzz. He could be an absolute steal there. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that, Nick. But anyone specifically stand out to you that did participate? From the center position, I I mean, I think Matt Hennessy, he's somebody who's more technical. He was out there just uh, – what did he run? I'm trying to see right here. Yeah, I wanted to say, yeah, he ran a 5.18, and then he did the 30 inches in the vert and just under 10 in the broad, about 10 inches under 10. I mean, there's not much to take away from the uh, the, the running, the 5.18. That's fine for an offensive center, 23 reps on the bench press. But he's more of a technician, but he was down at the senior bowl, and he had a solid showing down there. And like you said, Kush didn't necessarily put up those kind of numbers. There really wasn't many people that really just jumped out at me from the center position from these necessarily th these drills, I would say. 
Yeah, as far as the, the testing goes, actually, I mean, you mentioned it. You kind of—I won't say spoil it, but you you dropped it first. Hennessy's the guy who stood out to me because it's for two reasons, and I and I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again as we move forward. The two most important drills for me at this off and on the offensive line are the three cone and the short shuttle, and those were by far and away his most impressive times. He had a seven four five three cone, might have been the best at the position, and a four six zero shuttle. So you compare that to like you know a guy we talked about earlier who I believe is in kind of a similar range to him as far as the draft goes. Keith Ishmael from from San Diego State, and his numbers just don't compare. He had an eight one four three cone versus Hennessy seven four five, um, and he had a you know a little bit worse of a shuttle, but but not much worse there. And you know he's a little bit slower as well in the forty because Hennessy, like you said, ran a five one eight, and Ishmael was a five three four. Um, so Hennessy's definitely someone who I see now, and I'm like, okay, I got to go back and look at some of what he did at Temple because he's definitely caught my attention. Because if he's someone who's on the board there at the end of round three or the beginning of day, uh, or beginning of day three when the Giants pick, he's someone who I'm definitely going to be interested in from what I've seen now. All right, and I think it's time to flip it over to the defensive side of the ball, where there's certainly a lot to talk about. The Giants are going to need to rebuild this defense. The Giants, if they do somehow take another offensive player in the first round for X, however many consecutive years it will be now, what is it, 2017, 2018, 2019? Um, does even, I hope it's not 2016. I can't even remember who they took now in the first round in 2016. I think that might have been Eli That's Apple. Eli Apple, yeah. Yeah, yikes. Um, but, and then an <laughs> offensive player of the year before that, obviously, Eric Flowers. But if they do go defense no matter what they're going to have to rebuild this defense and the majority of these picks are probably going to be defense so let's start this thing off where everybody wants to start and that's at edge rusher any specific players you want to touch on before i get to some that stood out to me yeah there were a couple that came out and uh, ran better than i initially just suspected just from watching their film i thought jabari zaniga was one of those players who came out to this combine and he came out 264 pounds he's six foot three ran a four six four was very explosive coming out of his stance. He had 29 reps on the bench. And I liked his tape, but I like Jonathan Grenard, his teammate who transferred from Louisville to the Gainesville Gators last season. I liked his tape a little bit more. But Zuniga came to the combine, man, and he balled out. So he was somebody who looked good moving, did look good in the bag drills, looked good doing all those kind of things. So I think he's going to make me maybe go back to the film to maybe watch it a little bit more, maybe if I compare him against his – College player, but no, nah, I, I like what uh, Zuniga showed. I thought Neville Gallimore came in and over 300 pounds, ran a 4.79, and that's something that I mean I did not expect from Neville Gallimore. I mean he definitely shedded weight because remember he was a lot heavier, and they switched defensive systems this past year. Shedded weight, got down to 304. Now he fits more of that three tech position rather than the nose position, and he came out looking explosive in the drills too. So. Those are two players that really kind of caught my eye. I thought Alex Highsmith is another player. I really got to get to more of his tape, but he ran the 4.7 and then jumped 33 inches in the vert, and he comes in at just under 250 pounds. He's more of an edge rusher. He's the kid from Charlotte. Gallimore's one from Oklahoma, by the way. I don't believe I mentioned that, so I definitely want to make sure I get that information to you guys. And then Alton Robinson, who I wrote up for Big Blue View a little while ago from Syracuse, ran just under 4.7, a 4.69, bench 25, and then a 35 and a half vert. Just under 10 foot broad jump, which is pretty solid numbers for a six foot three, 264 pound player. Alton Robinson, he's out of Syracuse. So I thought he was another one who could possibly be a late round pick for the New York Giants. There's a lot I want to get to on the edge. And I want to start with somebody you pinpointed, and that is Jabari Zuninga from Florida. So 
Six foot three, 264 pounds, and ran a 464 at 264. Insane. But then he also coupled that with a broad jump of 10 foot seven with 29 bench press reps. And like you said, the key, the, the other thing was just the, he was fluid and cha- really good in changing those direct and changing directions in those drills. And that's really where people started to be like, okay, maybe this is something. And here's the thing with Zeninga. He's probably going to be there at the top, either at the end of round three where the Giants pick with that comp pick or the top of round four because he has super inconsistent tape. Like he was just not consistent at Florida. And he reminds me a little bit of Danil Hunter coming out in the 2015 draft. He lasted all the way to pick 88 for the Vikings at the end of round three. Similar guy, not the right, not the good production they wanted at LSU. Inconsistent tape, but really, really athletic profile. Um, and somebody who the Vikings molded with the right coaching, and they have great coaching there on the defensive side of the ball, into one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, or at least, you know, in that range. So he's someone who definitely jumped out to me, Zeninga, as a potential for the Giants. You mentioned Highsmith. He was the talk of the combine. I mean, he had much more athletic testing, and he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Shane Ximenez in the sense that he has a ton of uh, a ton of um, production, 21 and a half tackles for loss, 14 sacks. That was last season. Um and all conference, first team all conference USA, but you know, at that lower level. So he's someone who's really intrigued me and caught my attention as another guy who the Giants might be interested in that same range. But one guy I wanted to talk about with you because we haven't talked about him a lot um, as far as our podcast goes and just in our draft talk is Curtis Weaver, a guy who really, again, like, you know, had unbelievable production at the at the collegiate level, is one of, you know, a pro football focused favorite, somebody who I think could potentially now be in play for the Giants at 36. He had 34 sacks in three seasons at Boise State. The questions for him was, will he translate athletic, athletically speaking? But he had a pretty good combine, Nick. Six foot two, 265, and more importantly, the three cone, which in my opinion is easily the most important for an edge rusher, shows if they have the ability to bend the edge. Um, he did that in seven seconds flat with a 427 short, uh, short shuttle, which was even more impressive. So... I'm starting to believe that maybe Weaver is one of the most kind of underhyped players in this draft class and somebody who could be moving up draft boards fast. Um, what do you make of Weaver? Have you seen a lot of him? I want to say I saw maybe a game of his just because I saw the production. I wanted to kind of just get uh, you know a baseline of how I felt. But I, and again, not enough to really formulate a great opinion of Weaver, but from what I remember, he had really strong hands and he was just very powerful at the point of attack with how he used his hands. He seemed like he had a pretty good burst off the line of scrimmage and he was a smart player, not making many dumb plays, seemed to have some sort of varied pass rush too as well. But uh, I, I, I'd want to get more of a feel about his flexibility and just how he can kind of bend up the arc. But it seemed like, you know, he was establishing the half man, doing different things with his hands and kind of uh, taking advantage of tackles at that level of Boise State, but um, not really enough to really uh, give a firm, uh, you know, scouting report on the player. But Nick, I also want to talk about some other guys who caught my attention from an athletic standpoint, who I believe could be in play for the Giants. In addition to, you know, we talk about Alex Heisman, who had a really good combine out of Charlotte, but Derek Tuska out of North Dakota State, somebody no one was even thinking of, at 251 pounds ran a 4.79. That's cool but also had a 6.87 three-cone, the best in his class, at a big weight, and 
also, in addition to that, had an awesome, I think it was 4-3-4 short shuttle, also among the best, uh, best besides Bond, who had the best short shuttle, or I'm sorry, besides Weaver and Bond, who had the best short shuttles in this class, in this edge class. That really stood out to me. He's somebody who could be on the Giants' radar, and I think people should be thinking about him. He was a really productive player. Obviously, North Dakota State, like, you know, Highsmith out of Charlotte, you have to, and, you know, like Ximen ends the year before him, you got to kind of go with your projection there and see what you think. But he's someone who caught my attention. And another guy who I've seen a lot of and I think is a really raw, toolsy player, Nick, who caught my attention in this combine was Gross Matos out of Penn State. Yet here, Gross Matos. I want to get your thoughts on him in a second. At 266, he had a 34-inch vertical and a 120-inch broad jump. Those are explosive numbers. When I watched him, I always thought there were raw tools there. Have you had a chance to look at him at all? Yeah, I watched a game or two of Gross Matos just, and also just watching Penn State football. I've seen him over the last couple of years, and I think you describe him very well. He's very... He's kind of more of a raw player, but I mean, he has those really long limbs. He kind of explodes out of that three point stance. And I feel like he does well on initial contact, has an absolutely uh, effective motor, doesn't really ever stop. I saw him, you know, hit, I want to say I was watching, I can't remember which game it was, hit the off, get the offensive tackle to overset and then hit with a couple inside moves. Seems to play with pretty decent pad level despite the fact that he's six foot five so there's a lot of uh i think room for growth for gross matos he could probably even add some weight because he kind of has those long limbs and he's more lean for an edge rusher he's not somebody who carries portly weight or anything like that so uh, i want to say oh yeah another thing i wanted to add with him is kind of up the arc he does a good job kind of turning through contact and getting his hips around it felt like his hips are pretty um i would say uh above average then you know he's pretty fluid in that area as well so he's definitely somebody that the Giants could be looking at at 36. He is a potential option if the Giants do go edge rusher there for sure, oh, because well. that's kind of his uh, range, I would say. I actually think he could be in play at the, in the third round for the Giants. You do? Yeah, uh, I do, because there's a lot of rawness to his game. Um, and the, uh, I, uh, that's that's interesting. I mean, I'm wondering how the it's all going to play out. And obviously, free agency destinations of Clowney and some of these other guys are going to factor into it but with the edge class kind of being i don't want to say weak but it's definitely not the strong suit uh i mean i've seen him mocked in the first round by a lot of high profile guys but again i feel like there's what maybe 115 first round picks right now (laughs) according to everybody that's kind of how this whole process goes so that would be interesting but man if he is there in the third that would be that'd be really solid for the giants yeah, and there's a couple guys who I think didn't really test who could who I think will go higher than him. Chase on didn't test, think he'll go higher. Same thing for Okwara out of Notre Dame as well as the medicals check out. But before I move on to a couple guys that I wanted to get your thoughts on who disappointed the hell out of me at the combine, and I want to see what you think on that on those regards. I have to. I'm not gonna I'm definitely not gonna do a podcast on the combine and not talk about my boy Zach Bond uh out of Wisconsin. Who talk likes about Cephas. It. Just like Cephas for me, Bond. There's some players you watch over and over and you know they're going to be good. And that's another. And he, like Cephas, is another guy. 238, ran a 4.65. Uh, solid vertical, broad jumps, nothing great there. But 3-cone, 7-0 flat, hell yeah. Short shuttle, 4-3-1, hell yeah. Um, and he's got the tape. Uh, you look at his tape and you'll see. He can rush the passer from the edge, but he can also make plays as kind of that off-ball linebacker, and he comes from that Wisconsin Jim Leonard defensive system. You know the Giants like. You saw it when they targeted Connolly and how quickly he kind of made that transition to the NFL. They're looking for guys to shoot those gaps. Um, 
He's one of them in addition to what he can give you as an edge rusher, which is a lot more than people realize. If Bond's there at 36, he's going to be one of my top targets, maybe my number one guy for the Giants. Any thoughts on Bond? Yeah, no, I liked Bond's tape. I mean, 2019, he had 19 and a half tackles for a loss, 12 and a half sacks, incredibly aggressive, great in pursuit, does a great job from the backside, does a great job blitzing. He can drop back in the coverage, has enough athletic ability to do that, which is something that Patrick Graham is going to be looking for from those second level defenders. Can they drop into zone coverage underneath and play in space? And Bond possesses that, and he's good coming downhill and just either blitzing or coming off the edge. He really has, like you said, coming from Jim Leonard's defense at Wisconsin, they do that all the time, that high pressure. So I think he could be a really valuable piece to the New York Giants. And and like we've talked about here, Patrick Graham loves to run, you know, one or two down linemen in third down situations with four of those linebackers. Bond could be that linebacker drop. He can do, go, he can blitz off the edge. He could do all those different things. So, yeah, he is a realistic target there. If he's even there, though, because he is so versatile and athletic. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be there. I think Bond's going to be a first rounder. We saw something similar with TJ Watt the year he came out, lasted all the way to the end of that first round with the Steelers. A lot of people thought he would not be a first rounder and thought it was maybe an overdraft by the Steelers. They couldn't be wrong. <laughs> I mean, more wrong. <laughs> T.J. Watt has developed into arguably the best, if not top three, top four edge rusher in the NFL. So one guy who disappointed me, Nick, I want to get your thoughts on because he's, you know, his stock seems to just be tanking every step of the way. There were quite big questions we talked about on our Senior Bowl podcast, and then he just had an atrocious combine. That's Bradley and I at Utah, 257 pounds, ran a pitiful 493 40-yard uh, dash with a 31-inch vertical, not great times a three cone seven four four that's hideously bad uh for his size um what do you what do you make of this with with an eye is he off your draft board now or what is he do you see like to me i see a guy who just doesn't have the athleticism to translate to the edge at the nfl and was a nice you know high effort player at utah racked up the stats but uh, uh, to me I'm, i'm out i have no interest I mean, I'm out as a day two pick, but that kind of pushes his value more for me as a Giants later on in the draft. Cause I definitely, because I, I do a piece for Big Blue View where I write about uh, five prospects that could be available for the New York Giants in the uh, fourth round and beyond. And when I did it for the edge prospect, I was like, well, Bradley and I won't be there, so I'm not going to put him on that list. And now he's going to be there, I believe, because of this athletic testing. And I do believe in his skill set. I just actually tweeted about... Uh, him versus Austin Jackson and was their game in 2019 and Anai won uh, several of those reps I tweeted I think a little clip of like four or five of those reps that he won I mean he's again high effort like you said but he also has a good first step explosiveness I expect him to test it a little bit better than he did I didn't expect him to blow up the combine he's not that kind of player his high athleticism is just not there but he's very very good with his hands he has several different moves he shows flexibility while rushing the passer up the arc through contact, he gets his hips around, and I do believe he has kind of a strong punch. But yeah, no, nah, he, he's definitely a big loser when it comes to the combine because he just did not test uh, anywhere near what I was hoping that he would. Yeah, I mean, for me, we may we may we may be off on this one entirely because and it's, it's okay. We're gonna have that because yeah. if you're referencing tape against Austin Jackson as a plus, I'm just <laughs> I'm just not there because I think he's one of the most overrated offensive tackle prospects. I, I agree. I agree with you, but it's still like he was a very productive player. He did that against other sure. tackles. No, I know. He was super productive. He's a big reason why that team was was in the running uh, for the college football playoff until the end. 
Um, any, do you want to touch on any of these interior defensive linemen? I don't think we need to. I think we could get to the good stuff because the Giants really, really shouldn't be drafting one, especially once they re-sign Leonard, right? Yeah, no, we we already touched on uh, Derek Brown. And, sure. Uh, well, De- Derek Brown, you know, he just didn't have a great combine. He's still a fantastic player, guys. It's There it is. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Um, let's talk inside backers, the off-ball backers, because, whew, boy, Nick, I have not seen a class – this athletic and this explosive and this potentially awesome in coverage in a long time. After watching these inside backers of the combine, I've come away thinking the Giants need one and they need a premium one and they need one of a top four that I'm starting to see come into play. And, and really a top five, if you include uh, Akeem, Akeem Davis Gaither, who we really like from the senior bowl, who just didn't test. Um, but if they, I really think there's a big five they need to get their hands on one of these because they need off-ball linebackers. It's the new NFL. It's the way to win, and they don't have any talent there. So let's start with the big dog, Isaiah Simmons. Obviously, whew, if there was any doubt that he's one of the best athletes in this class, it was totally silenced there in in the combine. Uh, what do you make of Simmons and and the performance he put together? It was absolutely incredible. I mean, you go out there, you run a four three nine, you do just all the athletic tests that he did, the way he was operating in space. I mean, he's got to be one of the biggest winners, and it didn't even have much to win because he was already being mocked in the top five. So, I mean, I really, I mean, I'm not going to be disappointed. The Giants sit there four and select Isaiah Simmons. This guy is a next level difference maker type of defender who can is just so versatile. You you don't know. As an offensive coordinator attacking that defense with him out there, you don't know if you're in base. You don't know if you're in nickel. You, there's no there's no way to know that, but yet he can fill all those different roles. And you guys hear this all the time. The NFL is a game of mismatches, and it's hard to mismatch a player who can is so versatile and can do so many different things, and that's Isaiah Simmons. And he just showed that at the combine and just continues to drop people's jaws and he's a realistic target for the new york giants and that's going to be an amazing thing if he's sitting there wearing blue uh come the draft because he's just a phenomenal player who can really kind of turn around this defense that just needs to be turned around because we all saw what happened last year yeah and the 439 at 238 is unbelievable, unbelievable. It's insane size speed score but let's not for, let's not miss out the fact that he had a 132 inch broad jump insane and a 39 inch vertical he i think the problem with Simmons and Giants fans right now is that they're viewing him in a in a box. They're saying, okay, he's a linebacker. Okay, he's this. He's not. What he's going to be is a chess piece. If you need him to play the deep half, he'll play the deep half. If you need him to take Travis Kelsey out of a game, he'll take Travis Kelsey out of a game. If you need him to take Chris Thompson out of a game, he can take Chris Thompson out of a game. If you need him to blitz around the edge, he can do that too. He's an unbelievable blitzer. I've seen him blow up running backs in pass protection. He has it all. He is an unbelievable prospect. To me, he is the second best prospect in this entire draft class behind Chase Young. So I would be totally fine. But I do want to point out how impressed I was with the athleticism with some of these set with, with some of the top linebackers. I want to start with Kenneth Murray, who kind of had a poor man's Isaiah Simmons as far as athletic testing goes. At 241, he ran a 452, which is insanely good. With a 129-inch broad jump, which is also insanely good, and a 38-inch vertical, and you throw on the tape, and he's another awesome new uh, hybrid off-ball linebacker who can do it all, who can cover, who can cover matchups, who can cover in zone, who can play the run. I love Kenneth Murray, and I would be totally fine taking him at 36. And I, before I get your thoughts on him, I want to touch on Patrick Queen, 
another linebacker I'd probably be perfectly happy with taking at 36 if they don't go Simmons and if they go OT in round one. 229, 4-5-0 for Patrick Queen, 35-inch vertical, 125 broad. And again, awesome tape, just like Murray. What do you make of Queen and Murray? Are those two guys who you think you'd be good with taking in round two, or do you think those guys are better for the Giants to kind of trade back and maybe take in the middle of round two? Honestly, I'm fine with taking either of these guys at 36. I've been thinking a lot about that because it is a realistic option for the Giants to get one of those tackles, and that's going to leave that just void at linebacker if the Giants do not address it in free agency. But Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray, if they're even around, right, are excellent prospect. Kenneth Murray is, I don't know if you guys know, but this guy, uh, his family adopted like three special needs kids and he helped raise them. He's such a, like everybody's raving at the combine about how good of a person he is and how he's just a natural born leader. And he's just a really good Samaritan. And he comes out and he tests as well as he does. And then he comes up lame on one of the forties as did Patrick queen, which is, which is ridiculous. The fact that both of them ended up getting hurt. I'm sure it's just, you know, slight hamstring or slight hamstring pull. And hopefully they will be ready for everything. OTAs and all that stuff. But both of those players are phenomenal players have great tape too. So they're definitely realistic options there at 30. So if the Giants do not go with Isaiah Simmons, I am not going to be upset if they land one of these two guys. Yeah, no doubt. And I also have a couple other guys who piqued my attention at this combine. We can start with um, the the probably the biggest surprise of this entire combine, and that was Willie Gay Jr. out of Mississippi State. He had a 4-4-6 40-yard dash, an 11-4 broad jump, the best in the class. The 4-4-6 was the second best. By the way, this 4-4-6 40-yard dash for Gay was at 243 pounds, 446. That is otherworldly. That's almost Isaiah Simmons. That's This is probably the better example of Isaiah Simmons. Like, a 39-and-a-half-inch vert with a better broad jump, like I said, the best in the class. Um, and in addition to all of that with Gay, you look at it, and and I started to look back after this combine. because And also, by the way, he was tied for second, or I'm sorry, second with the vert and tied for fifth with the bench press reps at 21. But when you start to look back at Gay, because that's what I did after this, because he was totally a surprise to me. He actually also has awesome tape. Like he can cover, he can pursue, he can play sideline to sideline. The issue with Gay is simple. He has off-field issues. So yes, uh, I'm trying to find it now. That yeah, I, I, I know what it is. It's uh, I actually did something for a big blue view on him as well. And uh, Gay was suspended for NCAA violations when it comes to an academic tutor for eight games. That one, I'm so supposedly he was cheating on a test or something like that. That one, I'm not really as concerned about. That's going to happen with football players because football players are there to play football. But he also got into an altercation with a quarterback for Mississippi State and punched the dude in the face. And that's the one that's a little bit more concerning. And that's why he didn't go back. One of the reasons why he didn't go back and he went into the draft. So. Yeah, I'm not sure the, the context of the situation, which you always got to look for the context, but that's definitely not a good look. Yeah, I mean, but it's crazy, though, because with this incredible athletic profile and the fact that he and these are pro football focused stats, I started to do some digging. He only missed one of 99 tackle attempts last year. Insane. And he had a 93.9 coverage grade on three on almost 300 career coverage snaps. These are insane numbers. He's productive and insanely athletic. I mean, He's on my radar now. He's someone else who I'm considering at 36. And obviously, you're going to take a guy at 36. You better hope there's no off-field stuff, and there is here. So he'd obviously have to ace the interviews. He'd have to, you know, prove to the Giants that's behind him. And I don't know. I have to do some more digging. But let me tell you, man, it was pretty impressive to see him at the combine. He looked like – I don't know. He didn't look like a linebacker to me. 
No, no, he looked incredibly explosive, and he showed that in all the drills. And even in the drills of him operating in space, he looked very, very impressive. And you could see that on his film, too, because I went back and I watched two games of his, and you could see that like speed, him running around. But again, I didn't think he was as good in the box. I, th- I saw him getting turned right, away and right. stuff like that. And again, I'm like, uh, I watched a 2018 film, so that could he have developed that? And then he got suspended in 2019, so there was a lot of things like that. Yeah. So maybe he's kind of uh, grown from that. But um, when it comes to on-the-field play and being able to stack and shed and not get dominated at second-level blocks. But, uh, yeah, he's he's an athlete, man, and he, there's a lot to be molded there. And I can't remember an inside linebacker class that was this good, Nick. And the Giants don't have these opportunities a lot to get guys like this. So these guys are top of the board for me. Troy Dye, Akeem Davis, A. Gaither didn't participate in the combine. I got my hand on those guys. I think they're also Dye out of Oregon. We've talked a lot about Akeem Davis, Gaither earlier uh, in our Senior Bowl pod. So keep an eye on those guys. Anyone else you want to touch on off-ball linebackers before we move to the cornerback position? Nah, I said we move right on. Or, well, Malik Harrison is somebody who I feel like he's a kid from Ohio State linebacker. He ran a 4.66, which is fine for the linebacker position. It's just obviously not like some of these other guys. But he's, I just feel like a solid player. I caught one game of his and I watched a lot of Ohio State. And he seems like a player that could be available a little bit later on in the draft. Not, he'll probably be a day two pick, but that, uh, that could land on a team and end up uh, making contributions. Okay, no doubt. Let's move to the cornerbacks where, again, just another situation where, Super athletic and super impressive testing and athletic profile from these top guys. Um, so I want to start with Akuda, who ran a 448 at 205, but also an explosive 41 inch vertical, incredible 135 inch broad jump. Didn't do three cone to short shuttle for what it's worth, but those times were impressive. And then just looked awesomely smooth in the drills. What, what's your thoughts on Akuda after coming away from this? Yeah, Akuda ended up banging his head, so he didn't. Uh, I don't know if that's why he didn't end up doing the shuttle, but he ended up uh, like di- getting dinged up a little bit. But yeah, the the tweet that's going around of his transitions and his footwork, it's it's honestly it's like textbook how smooth he is. With uh, it's really amazing to watch. If you guys want to go to Twitter and look that up, but yeah, Jeff Akuda is so smooth in his transitions with all those kind of things, and then he goes out to the combine and he tests well too. Runs that four four eight has all the length, the prototypical size for a cornerback and he has the tape to back it up. So he's going to be a top seven pick, I would say in this draft. And he could be one of those guys steps right into the NFL and makes an immediate impact for a franchise. And I, again, I've tweeted like I'm fine with the giants. If they do, I would be okay. If they took him, I think there are other needs, bigger needs than Jeff Okuda right now, but he is somebody who would make the giants defense better. I don't know if you agree with me on that. I think you're coming around on that one a little bit more, Dan, but yeah, no, Okuda, he's a, he's a, he's a damn good player. I'm coming around on Akuda for sure. I think he is in play at four. I think he should be in play at four. I think this this made a difference for me. As crazy as it sounds, I after last year, after watching DeAndre Baker completely dominate the SEC play and not transition fast to the NFL, and and people you know were legitimately concerned with his slow forty times last year. I wasn't. I said it doesn't matter. He dominated. To see someone like Akuda actually have an athletic profile this dominant with the vert. And with the explosion from the vert and the broad, watching his footwork, even a four four eight forty is pretty good with his length and his, you know, his height and arm size. I'm coming around to it. But a guy I want to highlight who I think should be in play for the Giants if they trade down. And this is somebody who came into this combine probably as the number three corner, but uh, behind Christian Fulton, who was more, more of the consensus, too. I think this guy is easily now the consensus, too. And that's C.J. Anderson out of Florida. First of all, he dominated the combine. He showed up, 
the exact length and height you want, which is important to me. Unlike Fulton, he's a he's 204 pounds, rocked up with 6'1 length. And then he ran a 4'39. And I don't really put a lot of stock in the 40, Nick, and, except for two positions. Wide receiver, and even more important for me than wide receiver, cornerback. I yeah. really think it's pretty important there. In addition to running that awesome 4'39", which is huge, he had an explosive 127-inch broad jump and a 37-inch half-inch vertical. Then you go back and you start to watch clips of him at Florida, and he is smooth in coverage. Yes. He is locked down smooth in coverage. I think I think he is the second-best corner in this class by far. I think he's top 15-worthy uh, pick. So if the Giants do start to trade back, and pick up another pick, and he starts to hang around. He's someone who I'm definitely interested in. Yeah, uh, he has. I, I love his tape, by the way. Everything you just said is right, but there's one concern with me. He yeah. has a little bit of Janoris Jenkins in him, right? What? What? Yeah, the tackling. The Janoris. Yep. He has a little bit of Janoris Jenkins in him when it comes to the tackling, to where it seems like he's just not overly. Uh, you know, he's a little bit. I don't want to say passive, but he's a, he's a little passive. When someone's coming down with a lot of momentum, he might make you making some business decisions, and that that's always going to concern me when it comes to cornerbacks. I completely understand that, and I think the tackling is the reason. And this is the knock that people are giving on him. It's the tackling. It's his ability in space as a run defender. I totally understand that. You don't see that issue with Akuda as much. But for me, Nick, if I can get somebody who can shut down one side of the field week in and week out and shadow that number one, I'm going to give up the tackling. Because you know what? When Jenkins was in his prime with the Giants, he changed the way that defense played in that 2016 season by doing exactly that, shutting down Bryant twice, Des Bryant twice in his prime. And week after week, he was shutting down number one receivers and just taking and get, allowing the Giants so much more flexibility at the safety positions because they could trust him. And even last year, Jenkins was pretty good in coverage, um, but not really at the 2016 level. So I will trade that up, Nick. I'm always going to trade up bad run defense for someone who can shadow and shut down a corner. It's just how I, how I evaluate the game, how I see the importance of that position and where, you know, I guess I wait the importance of that position, uh, the traits of the important and their importance of that position. Yeah, no, I, and I, I see where you're coming from. And I do, I agree. I, I don't agree because I do put tackling high, very mm-hmm. high, but I do see exactly where you're coming from because being able to cover and shut down, that's, you know, very, very, uh, obviously a very clutch thing <laughs> to stop. The, listen, uh, I put tackling high, especially at linebacker and safety for sure. At corner, I just don't put it as high. I, it's not that I don't put it as high. It's that I'm willing to trade it off. A couple other guys I wanted to talk on, Nick. On the negative side, Cameron Dantzler, who came into this thing as, you know, potential first-round pick, top guy at 188, ran a 4.64. Yikes. Uh, I, I think I'm out on him. I mean, I know he has good tape. People like him. Uh, 4.64 at corner is tough. Yeah, that's a tough one to swallow. I mean, it's not as bad as Tease Tabor. <laughs> yeah, but Tease Tabor wasn't talked about as a first-round pick. Yeah, there was a there was a little bit of a time when I remember Tease Tabor getting some first round yeah. pick buzz, but yeah, no, uh, Dantzler, I'm I've been actually looking forward to getting to his film because I know he was a long jumper in high school and he comes to the combine. He did the vert thirty four and a half isn't really all that Not impressive great. for a cornerback, especially when you're one hundred and eighty eight pounds. So I I, I do want to get to his tape and really watch him. I mean, I've watched Mississippi State football, but I haven't focused on him. But yeah, now his combine, that's, that's definitely a hit, and it's definitely going to drop him out of the uh, first round. And then on the positive side, Nick, Jeff Gladney at a TCU is a guy I liked a lot um, when I watched his tape, and I'm starting to see a little bit more of that. And then he really impressed, not impressed me, but he 
hit the numbers he needed to hit. 448 is pretty good at the 40 and a 37 and a half inch vertical with 124 inch broad jump. I think he's a potential guy in play for the Giants at 36. Yeah, he could definitely be depending on how the draft really uh kind of plays out. Yeah. Yeah, free agency is going to be huge, and I really hope the Giants pursue Byron Jones and get one of these just locked down yeah. corners, and then we can kind of get a full picture on where the Giants really uh, have holes on this roster. And I'm telling you, free agency is going to be very telling, so it's going to be a fun fun podcast, to be honest. No doubt. And then one guy who I now need to go back and watch more tape of, Nick, and I'm curious if you feel the same way, um, is A.J. Terrell out of Clemson, 4-4-2 flat at 195, 129 inch broad, 34 and a half inch vert. These are good numbers and people like his tape. Do you have anything on Terrell? I don't have much on Terrell. I mean, he went to the uh, combine and he showed up incredibly, uh, showed out really well, which is what you're going to want. Like you said, I think you articulated well before. I really look at the 40 yard dash times for these cornerbacks we're running a 442. And then just 129 in the broad, 34 and a half in the vert isn't all that brisk. But AJ Terrell, uh, just, just under 32 inch arms, 31 and one fourth right. actually. So it's a little bit sub of uh, ideal. You ideally look 32 inches for a corner is usually what uh, teams look for. But if it's slightly under, it's not a huge deal. So, but he's again, I watched a lot of Clemson, but I haven't grinded his film as a prospect yet. But yeah, he's getting a lot of buzz too, and he might be a target as well for the Giants if they go in that direction. No doubt. And then one last player corner I want to touch on before we move to safety. And this is a guy who's kind of had that steady drumbeat building, building all offseason through the senior bowl, started to make some fans. And then he had a really good combine, and that's Troy Pride out of Notre Dame. And I really would kind of love him in the round three. I mean, 193 pounds ran a 4-4-0 flat, 35-and-a-half-inch vertical. But most important to me was that 6.943 cone. That is like unreal change of direction agility there so he's someone who's been building and building and i liked what i saw at the senior bowl and now i like what i see the common it's good tape out of notre dame what do you make a pride is he someone who would intrigue you for the giants yeah i liked his tape and i loved what i saw from him down at the senior bowl and there's some parallels with julian love obviously the fact that they went to notre dame but the fact that they were both bound or they were both boundary corners that i feel like can play a different position in the nfl you have Love playing for the Giants as a safety right now. And I think Pride can maybe be a nickel in the NFL. I know he played boundary right, in Notre Dame, right. but I think he has that. Obviously, he showed the three cone with the six, nine, four. He showed that kind of ability to change direction. And he has the two way go as a, as a nickel defender. I think he has enough ability in man coverage to kind of stick on them. He's feisty enough when it comes to just being a competitor playing with a lot of competitive toughness, being a competitive player against the run. So I think he could be tested out there, and he could be uh, maybe even a solution later on in the draft for the New York Giants because he could be available. I don't know if this combine, but he could be available on day three because there's a lot of players that are in this draft that are really good. And if he's available on day three, the nickel position was a was just a colossal failure for the New York Giants last year with Ballantyne and Haley in coverage. Haley love him against the run, but in coverage it was not good. So he could be an option there for the New York Giants. And he had a great combine, had a great senior bowl. He's just been ascending ever since. Steady drum beat, Nick. And Steady that's how I look at it. And it's important to me because, listen, the Giants, like you said, had massive struggles at that nickel slot corner position last year. And people don't realize how important – I think actually somebody was making this point. I think it was Michael Irvin or Deion – actually, it was Deion Sanders made this point live in the combine coverage. 
Teams need to start prioritizing finding solutions at nickel corner because that's where the NFL is moving. It's that matchup, and teams are taking advantage of the offensive side of the ball, and Giants don't have the solution in place for it. So if you can tell me that you can get him in, on day three, I'm jumping I'm jumping in joy for that potential pick because they need a solution at nickel, just like they need to start using uh, utilizing Saquon Barkley as a receiver in the passing game. They need to start moving towards what the best NFL teams are doing to take advantage of the matchups and win to help you win NFL games. But let's move on, Nick. Let's jump to the safety position. Our final position we'll be recapping on this uh, extended uh, recap of the combine. And I want to start at the top. The two projected top guys, Grant Delpit, Xavier McKinney, not big fans of either of them, Nick, for the Giants at least. Delpit has mixed reviews from a lot of people. Had a much better 2018 than 2019 has issues with missed tackles at the third level, which gives me flashbacks to Darian Thompson, and I don't like that. I don't. He's off my board. Uh, he didn't even participate in the combat. And then McKinney comes in at 201 and runs a 4.63. I did not like that for what the Giants need. Uh, McKinney's out of Alabama, Delpit out of LSU. Um, did not like that at all for what the Giants need in the deep half safety, but there were a lot of deep half safeties who intrigued me, um, or potential deep half safeties who intrigued me. So first I want to start at the top, though, Nick. What were your thoughts on uh, on the top of class? Do you disagree with me at all there? No, I actually 100% agree. Delpit, man, it's kind of weird. Delpit was a top five. People were mocking him as the number one prospect going into the season, like highly regarded uh, draft people. And it wasn't a bad call by them because Delpit had a fantastic 2018 by all accounts. It's just 2019, he had so many missed tackles and it just wasn't good. His team ended up winning the national championship. He must have done something right. But yeah, no, nah, it's not an option for the Giants. I know Cowboys uh, Nation is getting all up in arms about Delpit. He has range, more range than I would say Xavier McKinney does, the kid from Alabama like you were talking about. But yeah, not for the Giants. And he, he just, his stock in 2019 definitely plummeted. And then another guy who kind of I felt that way after the combine was Geno Stone, who's a you know a lot of people safety three in this class out of Iowa, uh, but four six two. And really, when I went back and watched him, and when I seen Iowa, he's more of that in the box type of guy. He's more of what the Giants already have at that position. So I'm kind of out on him. Really, what intrigued me the most, especially because you know the kid that we talked about in the senior roll podcast, Ashton Davis, who I like a lot out of Cal, and I like what I saw at him in the deep half. He didn't really do anything at the combine, didn't run the 40, didn't do any of the jumps or the three cones, um, just did the bench press where it must be injured. So yeah. what really stood out to me in this class was kind of that second tier range safeties. And there's a lot of guys I'm starting to really like. Um, I want to start with uh, Kyle Duger out of Lenore Ryan, who's really threatening to potentially be the first D3, whatever it is, cool guy to go in the first round. He might not. And that will give him the Giants a chance at him at 36, where I think he could be in play. Um, at 270 pounds, we're in a 4.49 with a 42-inch vertical and a 134-inch broad jump. Um, so that impressed me, Nick. Any thoughts on Duger? Yeah, Duger and D2, Lenore Ryan, that's a very small school. But that explosiveness, I mean, 42-inch vert is absolutely ridiculous, as is 134 inches on the broad jump. And he's another one. Went down to the Senior Bowl. People were like, All right, you know, he's a he was a big fish in a small pond that out there with D2 and Lenore Ryan. What's he going to do out here in the Senior Bowl? No, he matched everybody and then exceeded and did well in interviews by all accounts from what I heard. And he has all the measurables, just under 33 inch arms, gigantic 10 and three eighth inch hands and goes to the combine, blows it up. So yeah, he's a legit option at 36 too. If the giants go in that direction, uh, just just an overall good player who can possibly fill that single high role. I mean, he seems more of a, I don't know if he has that range. I don't know if he has that range yet. 
But uh, he definitely has intriguing athletic traits, so maybe it can be developed. Like just understanding of angles and the speed; those all those things need to come with time in the NFL and NFL coaching. Because obviously he didn't get that at D two, so maybe range could be developed. But it's definitely still something to be uh, you know in, uh, intrigued about when it comes to this player because he's very talented, very athletic. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point, Nick. I may be overrating what kind of immediate impact he can make in the role the Giants would need him to, that deep pass safety role. He's, he's lengthy, 6'3", and like you said, really not completely there um, as far as, like, the, would need to be coached up. So so let's keep that in mind. But one guy who really stood out to me, a couple guys who really stood out to me, we'll talk about the biggest riser. But first, I want to talk about Terrell Burgess, who a lot of people like this tape out of Utah, um, six foot one, two 202, with a four four six uh 40 time. What do you make of Burgess? He's he's someone you looked at at all? I haven't watched any Burgess tape, but I've just seen Utah tape, and I saw him just make a couple plays on the ball, just showing good ball skills. Uh, but I haven't I haven't uh, just grinded his tape and evaluated him specifically as a prospect. But I like what he did down at the combine. I mean, vertical jump was it was average. There wasn't anything to really write home about, but four four six and just being a prospect on a really, really good defense and something to maybe uh just consider later on in the draft, but I haven't I don't have enough information on him at the moment. No doubt. And then the biggest riser by far at the safety position was Antoine Winfield Jr. Obviously he has the NFL pedigree and, I, and he's only five foot nine, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, I, don't know. I believe he's five foot nine, right? Or he's five foot ten. Yeah, he's, he's really not, Yeah. Um and but at 203, 445, 36 inch avert, 124 inch broad, which is not terrible, which is pretty solid, honestly. It's not, it's not Kyle Duger from Leonard Ryan with this 134 inch and 42 inch vertical, but the tapes there, nine interceptions. You noticed him at Minnesota. Is he someone who is now on your radar for the Giants? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of players are on the radar as of right now. He's somebody that I would consider. I mean, he is pretty undersized, even though he didn't really show that on tape because he's somebody who could pack a really powerful punch and lay the wood for somebody who's five foot nine, 195 pounds or whatever he is. But yet, no, he did well in deep zones. He did well in man coverage. I mean, I watched a lot of Minnesota Golden Gopher tape in 2018 because I was writing for uh, an outlet of theirs. Um, so I got to be witness to him and that was kind of his breakout season before this one where he really really broke out and he was definitely showing just a lot of positive traits covering tight ends being single high doing those kind of things so yeah I would say that he is an option but I don't know if that's the direction the Giants would go in but I do love the fact that he is controlled when he's aggressive he's decisive with his angles and things along those lines uh, and uh, he doesn't really play like he's five foot nine he plays a little bit bigger than that yeah and then there's a couple other guys who really intrigued me that now I'm gonna have to go back and watch the first and the first is Tanner Muse, just because he had incredible combine out of Clemson, two twenty seven, four four one with good jumps. But I, I've I've read that he's probably not going to be, you know, that that player the Giants are looking for. But another player who's now on my radar is Lejarius Sneed at Louisiana Tech. After this combine, he had a four three seven forty with a forty one inch vertical, one hundred thirty one inch broad jump, six foot, one hundred ninety two pounds. At the very least, I'm intrigued by that raw speed there as a potential to be a back half guy for the Giants. What do you make? Of, have you seen it? Have you read or seen anything on Lejarius Need out of Louisiana Tech? I mean, other than just him blowing up the combine, that's right. all I really, that's all my exposure to him. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, who is Lejarius Need? I've heard his name before, but I didn't expect this kind of athletic sure. testing. So it's definitely something I got to jump into his tape too. 
And then finally, um, a guy who one of my colleagues, Jason Lockenfora, NFL insider for CBS Sports, put me on to a few weeks ago. And, you know, he's not exactly what the Giants need as a deep half safety, but I think he's what any defense needs, including the Giants. Uh, he compared him a little bit to Cam Chancellor. Jeremy Chin, who's just out of Southern Illinois, just moving up boards and blew up the combine. Six foot three, 220, ran a 445 at 6'3, 220. 41 inch vert, 138 inch prod jump. These are just elite athletic testing numbers at a chin. Elite. And what Lock and Four was saying that teams really like him and he's going to be moving up draft boards big time as potential, you know, uh, Cam Chancellor type. So he's someone to keep an eye on as well as we move yeah. forward through this Jeremy Chin. Oh yeah, Jeremy Chin, I mean, he was down at the Senior Bowl. I actually had a little interaction with him at the Senior Bowl and he was a really, just, he, he seemed like a fun kind of guy, just, uh, but man, on the field, just watching him from the stands too, you see his just, he's just physically imposing for a guy coming from a FCS school. Yeah. And he, you could tell he just, I watched a couple of his games too. He's very, very physical. He shows a lot. He does show range and he does show a level of athleticism that definitely translates to the NFL because you can see him tracking guys down at the FCS level. And the FCS, I mean, it's not the FBS. But it's still high level football. I mean, Carson Wentz excelled there. So they still have NFL talent, but he was just far and above that talent, showing excellent ball skills, showing the ability to track, the body control, and the ability to just lay the wood and be incredibly physical. So, I mean, I definitely see him going probably, I, I, I thought he might go in day three just because he was coming from a small school, but I think he definitely played his way into the second round. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> or at least day two, at the very least. Yeah. All right. On that note, thanks again for everybody tuning in to our Combine Recap. We hope you enjoyed it. We grinded some midnight oil on this one. It was a nope. long one, but hopefully a good one. A lot more to come with the draft and free agency in the future for the New York Giants. Keep it locked and loaded on the Big Blue Bander podcast, and have a great rest of your week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.